It's funny, sometimes something will happen in our lives, people who work in the media, and it doesn't occur to you that, hey, there's actually a bit of a story there. So I was telling you yesterday about how I believe it happened in a parking garage where I park when I come to work. Somebody stole the plates off of my car, front and back. And I only noticed when I went home on Friday, parked the car in front of the house, we were waiting for an Uber, and I looked back at the car and I thought, there's something wrong. Oh yeah, the plate's not there. Went to the front of the car. That plate is missing too. And it occurred to me, okay, so why do people steal plates? What do they do with them? What likely happened to my plates? Mark Mendelson, former homicide detective with Toronto Police Service is here. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, John. I have to imagine my plates were probably used and discarded very quickly, or maybe they're in Dubai, but what happens to stolen plates? Well, you, you kind of answered the question when you said that uh, you didn't really notice the plates were missing. And that's what uh, that's what these bandits are counting on. It's like, I mean, who looks to see if their license plates are on their car when they when they leave the uh, the mall? Nobody does. Uh, so that buys criminals, uh, you know, 10, 12 hours, maybe a day or two where they can take your stolen plates and put them on another stolen vehicle, head out and hit some pharmacy or uh, you know, do a carjacking when they pull up with that particular vehicle. They run the plates. They don't come back as stolen. They come back to John Moore. Um, so really, it's just it's just in furtherance of another criminal offense. Um, you know, they're not hanging in somebody's you know man cave in the basement. You know, you know, you know, <laughs> on the wall. And uh, you know, my sources are telling me, of course, that your plates are actually fetching a greater uh, bidding price than the gold that was stolen at the airport. Uh, and it might be, it might be just because it's your your plates, John. I don't know, but but that's the reason that they take these plates and they just stick them on another stolen vehicle. They can drive around, assuming you haven't reported them stolen, and uh, off they go and and commit another crime. And does it ever happen that cops end up on a door knock at a house for somebody whose plates were stolen and they ask them if they robbed a pharmacy? Well, I mean, if, if your plates were used and the registration comes back to, to you and at your home, you're going to get the knock on the door. And, and, you know, the bad guys are counting on the fact that you're going to say, how can that be? My car sitting right out in front of the house. But then you look at it, you don't have your plates on. They're buying, they're counting on the fact that you're not going to notice it for at least a day. Okay, you mentioned that gold heist, incidentally, and I'm just curious about your thoughts on that. I, I can't imagine how they could pull off a $20 million heist in an airport. I mean, it's so Ocean's Eleven. Well, it's all about inside information. I mean, people obviously knew that this, uh, you know, this load of gold was was flowing into Toronto from a, a particular location. Somebody had access to the manifest to knew to know, to know where the cargo was going to be stored. Uh, they knew, you know, it, it weighed over thirty six hundred pounds worth of gold, so they had to make some arrangements to get the, to get this material out of the warehouse. And it's going to take more than one person. So they've had assistance all the way down the line from people that had access to the manifest to people that understood how the security systems work um, on the public side of this particular cargo area because you know the, the airport is saying it, it didn't happen on the air side it happened on the public side so they had to have some assistance in terms of uh, you know knowing where the security cameras were key card entrance uh, electronics things of that nature all of that the you know Peel Regional are, are sifting through now plus they probably had to have some plan in place as to what they're going to do with all this gold once they stole it you can't just walk into your normal cash for gold guy on young street and say here i got 3600 bucks worth of gold or 3600 pounds worth of gold 
How much are you going to give me? That's just not going to happen. So there's a whole a whole organized crime plan in place, but it was not done alone. It was done with the assistance of people who had inside information. Yeah, well, you're right about the uh, trying to fence the stuff, because although Oliver the Jewelry Man was interviewed by CTV last night, and he said, listen, of all the things, all the valuables you could steal, gold is the one that you can actually manipulate. Like, you know, cash has serial numbers, diamonds have uh, patterns that people will recognize, but gold you can melt down and do something with. Listen, there's one other thing I wanted to ask you about, and uh, I'm just curious about your ideas of this crazy story of a guy who's suspected of having murdered his partner, and then he faked his own death. And, um, have, you know, have you ever come across somebody who faked their own death in order to disappear? Well, I've had homicide investigations where people have disappeared, and, and obviously they've done it on purpose. This guy went one step further. Long before the murder, he actually, with the assistance of his family, uh, had it reported to the police that uh, you know he was a, he was a trucker, and that he had left some indication that his life was not uh, not very satisfactory, and that he was going to take his own life by going over Niagara Falls. And this was reported to the police long before the murder. I mean, what a perfect alibi! It can't be him because he's dead. No body found, which is not unusual, uh, uh, you know, for people that that unfortunately go over over the falls at least for a couple of months till the body uh, till the body rises. So. What was a a good plan in their mind obviously didn't turn out very good at the end of the day because he was identifiable. Uh, they got to his his mother and his brother, and I, I I would assume that they coughed up the goods right away. They're on their way back to Toronto, charged with accessory after the fact. What's really sad here as well, John, is this guy was already before the courts for kidnapping and sexual assault on this young woman, um, and he was out on bail. And I'm sure that he had restrictions that he could give a damn about, obviously, because he was caught pulling up on a bicycle, shooting her, and then fleeing the scene. So lots of moving parts, but. Uh, you know, it it, did, it sounds like it didn't take long for Peel Regional to figure out that he wasn't dead. You know, especially once they identified him at, at the at the murder scene. Uh, but if he's going to do the right thing now and try and get his mother and brother out of the, you know the serious problems that they're in right now, his best move right now is to get a lawyer and turn himself in and at least do something good for his own family. Uh, you know, because he's he's in a bad spot in terms of being charged with first degree murder. Thank you, sir. Nice to have you this morning. Have a good morning, John. Mark Mendelson, former homicide detective with Toronto Police Service. And I always remember being fascinated as a kid. My dad had a friend and he left his wife and his kids behind. And it was presumed that he had taken his life. And years and years and years went by. And one of the clues, apparently, that he had jumped off of a bridge to his death was apparently... When people do that, they frequently take off their shoes and leave them behind. So he had parked his car on a bridge, put the shoes on the front seat, and then he left the scene because he wasn't dead. And years and years and years later, because this was in Montreal, years later, my dad gets a phone call in the middle of the night from a sheriff in the deep American South. And he says, uh, do you know so-and-so? And I forgot the name. And he said, yeah. He said, well, we've just found him dead um, of natural causes. And he left behind a note saying he wants you to settle his estate. So here's this guy who's a friend of my dad who was missing for probably 40 years, presumed dead. And my father only finds out that the whole thing was a ruse when he genuinely dies. And then he leaves him with all the paperwork.